No other book has so profoundly impacted so many lives as the Bible. Welcome to Simply the Bible, the Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. Today we see where an angel tells Daniel about a vile king who will come and place an abomination in the temple that causes desolation. This is a prototype of the future boastful and blasphemous king we know as the Antichrist. We hope you join us as Pastor Daryl continues in Daniel chapter 11 on Simply the Bible. We are in a section of scripture that has given some Bible skeptics such trouble that they have denied that Daniel is the author of it or that he wrote it when he said that he wrote it. The only reason that they do this is because they do not believe that God can speak of the future with the same accuracy as though it had already occurred. But this speaks more of their unbelief than of the Bible being unreliable. Daniel was visited by an angel who revealed to him what would happen after the reign of the Persian kings. Alexander the Great would arise from Greece, and his kingdom would then be divided among his four generals. The narrative then focuses on two of these, named the King of the North, which is Syria, and the King of the South, which is Egypt. As we saw yesterday, these predictions of the various kings, their wives, children, and their intrigues precisely agree with secular history. It is, in fact, history told before it happens. I believe that God dwells in eternity outside our space and time. I also believe that he knows everything. Therefore, it is no problem for him to tell us what will happen in the future with precise accuracy. I also believe that God says what he means and means what he says. His purpose in telling us the future is so that we will understand what's going to happen and be prepared for it. As we will see, these revelations that the angel gave to Daniel also speak of what is yet to occur in our world. We continue today in Daniel chapter 11. Now, beginning in verse 21, we come to the reign of Antiochus IV, Epiphanes, who came into power in 175 BC. He only reigned for 12 years, but he is given as much attention as all the others before him combined. He is also the little horn of Daniel chapter 8. This long section is devoted to him not only because of the effects of his invasion on the land of Israel, but more importantly, because he foreshadows the coming world leader known as the Antichrist or the Beast. Verse 21, And in his place shall arise a vile person, to whom they will not give the honor of royalty, but he shall come in peaceably and seize the kingdom by intrigue. With the force of a flood they shall be swept away from before him and be broken, and also the prince of the covenant. And after the league is made with him, he shall act deceitfully, for he shall come up and become strong with a small number of people. He shall enter peaceably, even into the richest places of the province, and he shall do what his fathers have not done, nor his forefathers. He shall disperse among them the plunder, spoil, and riches, and he shall devise his plans against the strongholds, but only for a time. So, 
Antiochus was the king of the north here, Antiochus IV. He took to himself the name Epiphanes, which means the illustrious one or God manifesting. The scripture calls him a vile person. The throne rightly belonged to Demetrius Soer, the son of Seleucus IV, but he was very young at the time. So Antiochus claimed to be his lawful protector. He won the hearts of a small group of people, and with their support, he became strong and seized the throne through intrigue. He was accepted as ruler because he was able to turn aside an invading army. Not only did Antiochus Epiphanes sweep away the rightful heir, but he also deposed Onias III, the high priest, called here a prince of the covenant. He then redistributed wealth, taking from the rich and giving to his supporters, thus giving him even more favor with them. Verse 25, he shall stir up his power and his courage against the king of the south with a great army. And the king of the south shall be stirred up to battle with a very great and mighty army, but he shall not stand, for they shall devise plans against him. Yes, those who eat of the portion of his delicacies shall destroy him. His army shall be swept away, and many shall fall down slain. Both these kings' hearts shall be bent on evil, and they shall speak lies at the same table. But it shall not prosper, for the end will still be at the appointed time. After Antiochus consolidated his kingdom, he moved against Egypt in 170 BC. In this battle, Ptolemy Philometor had a very large army, but the Egyptians were defeated. After the battle, Antiochus professed friendship with Egypt. The victor and the vanquished sat at a table together for peace talks, but they deceived one another, not intending to keep any agreements. So a treaty was never established. Antiochus did not obtain the control over Egypt for which he had hoped. In time, Ptolemy Philometor was then betrayed by his own nobles in fulfillment of verse 26. Verse 28, while returning to his land with great riches, his heart shall be moved against the holy covenant, so he shall do damage and return to his own land. Antiochus carried great wealth back to his homeland from his conquest. On his return to Syria in 170, he passed through the land of Israel. After his disappointment with not taking Egypt, he took out his anger on the Jews by defiling the temple in Jerusalem and killing many Jews. He also left soldiers behind to keep things under control. Then he returned to his own country. At the appointed time, he shall return and go toward the south, but it shall not be like the former or the latter, for ships from Cyprus shall come against him. Therefore, he shall be grieved and return in rage against the Holy Covenant and do damage. So he shall return and show regard for those who forsake the Holy Covenant. Two years later, in 168 BC, Antiochus moved against Egypt again. He was opposed by the Romans who had come to Egypt in ships from the western coastlands. The Roman Senate sent a representative to Antiochus with a letter forbidding him to engage in war with Egypt. When Antiochus asked for time to consider, the emissary drew a circle in the sand around him and demanded that he give his answer before he stepped out of the circle. 
Antiochus submitted to Rome's demands, for to resist them would be to declare war on Rome. This was a humiliating defeat for Antiochus, but he had no alternative but to return to his own land. Then for a second time, he took out his frustrations on the Jews. He vented his fury against the Holy Covenant, favoring any apostate Jews who forsook their covenant with the Lord to join him. And forces shall be mustered by him, and they shall defile the sanctuary fortress. Then they shall take away the daily sacrifices and place there the abomination of desolation. Those who do wickedly against the covenant, he shall corrupt with flattery. Antiochus sent his general Apollonius with 22,000 soldiers into Jerusalem on what was purported to be a peace mission. But they attacked Jerusalem on the Sabbath, killed many people, took women and children as slaves, and plundered and burned the city. He also took away the daily sacrifices and forbade Jews to follow their religious practices, including festivals and the rite of circumcision. He then commanded that copies of the law be burned. Finally, he set up the abomination that causes desolation. And this culminating act on December 16, 167 BC, he erected an altar to Zeus on the altar of burnt offering outside the temple and had a pig offered on the altar. The Jews were compelled to offer a pig on the 25th of each month to celebrate Antiochus Epiphany's birthday. He promised apostate Jews great reward if they would set aside the God of Israel and worship Zeus. Many in Israel were persuaded by his flattery and his threats and worshipped this false God. But the people who know their God shall be strong and carry out great exploits. And those of the people who understand shall instruct many. Yet for many days they shall fall by the sword and flame, by captivity and plundering. Now when they fall, they shall be aided with a little help, but many shall join with them by intrigue. And some of those of understanding shall fall to refine them, purify them, and make them white until the time of the end, because it is still for the appointed time. So a small remnant of Jews remained faithful to God through these trying times. According to the apocryphal books of First and Second Maccabees, Mattathias, a priest, was the father of five sons. In 166, Mattathias refused to submit to this false religious system. He and his sons fled from Jerusalem to the mountains. The profaning of the temple stirred up his righteous indignation, so he began to fight against this evil rule. He challenged his sons to take up the fight and give their lives for God and this righteous cause. One of these sons was called Judas Maccabeus, the hammerer. He began with only a few poorly armed men. They went against the Syrian forces and began to defeat them. They did tremendous exploits, and God strengthened them and went before them. As the movement became popular, others joined them. The suffering that the faithful endured served to refine and purify them. This became known as the Maccabean Revolt. In 164, Judas Maccabeus came to Jerusalem, drove out the garrison that was there, and cleansed the temple. They began again the daily sacrifices to God. As they went to relight the golden lampstand or the menorah, there was only enough oil for one day. 
It was a seven-day process to make more oil. For seven more days, the oil continued to miraculously burn in the lampstand until they poured the new oil into it. An annual celebration of this event became the Feast of Lights, which is also known as the Feast of Dedication. We know it today as Hanukkah. Antiochus did his best not only to exterminate the Jews, but also to eliminate their religion from the earth. He promised to reward the Jews who followed his orders. This was a time of testing and refining for the Jews. They had to decide whether to obey the God of their fathers and possibly be killed or to submit to the pagan Syrian leaders and live as traitors to their faith. Antiochus IV Epiphanes died in Persia in 163 BC. He was judged insane, and it was no wonder people called him Antiochus Epimenes, Antiochus the Madman. The angel closes this section by reminding Daniel that what he revealed had implications for Israel in the time of the end. Although he spoke about leaders who would appear after the fall of Persia, the events surrounding Antiochus Epiphanes related to events that will occur to the Jews during the end times. As we will see next week, Antiochus Epiphanes is a prototype of the Antichrist. Beginning with verse 36, we will see that Daniel is transported into the future where he sees what will happen as this man of sin becomes a world leader. He will do many of the same things that Antiochus did, but he will meet his demise when Jesus Christ returns at the end of the Great Tribulation with angels and saints. You won't want to miss it. You've been listening to Simply the Bible, the Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. For more information about our church, please visit our website at calvarytv.org. That's calvarytv.org. If you have any questions or comments, please contact us through our website. To listen to previous episodes, check out our Simply the Bible podcast. And please leave us a review. That helps a lot. On Monday, we will look at Psalms 62 and 63, where David waits on the Lord alone to be his defense and strength. He seeks God early in the day, and throughout the night he watches. We hope you'll join us as we continue teaching in God's Word on Simply the Bible. <laughs>